This is Downtown, the podcast, episode three. I'm Rich Kimball here with Carrie Haskell. And welcome back to the podcast, the third edition, and a good one for you as we talk with a couple of talented veteran actors, both of whom have been working in television and film for more than four decades. Yeah, that's right. Some uh, big acting chops on the board today as we'll talk with William Sanderson and Joanna Cassidy on the program today. We remind you, Downtown the Podcast is brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength, and by Nice Brewing Company. Work hard, play hard, be nice. German-style beer from the woods of Maine. We originate here in uh, Bangor, Maine, the Zone Radio Studios. Our show, Downtown, can be heard every weekday on WZON, WKIT HD3 in Bangor, streaming audio at our website, downtownwithrichkimball.com, and uh, you can also get the WZON app as well. Some major acting talent on display here, uh, Carrie Haskell, in this edition of the show. Two fun conversations with uh, working actors who have done a little of everything through the years. Those are the ones that are most interesting. Mm-hmm. These character actors, and they're able to really observe the profession and uh, and have a lot of insight into it. Uh, William Sanderson, our first guest, got his start back in the, the mid-70s after growing up in Memphis and going to school originally at SMU to study law and business. Got a law degree, uh, but decided to pursue acting instead and hasn't exactly worked nonstop ever since, but he's been awfully busy over the course of the last 40-plus years in uh, films like Blade Runner, television shows, most notably New Heart, where he made a lasting impression as Larry, one of the three brothers, Larry, Daryl, and Daryl. But as we learned in our conversation, William Sanderson is a very, very interesting guy with some great stories to tell. So let's give a listen to our conversation with character actor William Sanderson. Bill, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Uh, You had yourself uh, quite a journey uh, recently. You were out in California uh, for the Paley Center Honors, recognizing the Newhart Show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, uh, Entertainment Weekly was there, and I haven't seen it, but it came out a story about the event, and uh, uh, my wife was with me, so it was nice to stay in Beverly Hills. Well, for anybody who doesn't know, I want to talk a little bit about your, your background. Uh, you were born in Memphis, and uh, I understand that uh, Elvis had an impact on you in, a, in a many ways, as he did so many people. Yes, I think he sparked a dream in a lot of people. But uh, uh, I was around him a lot, and I happened to have finished a memoir that's in the, the hands of a literary agent, and I hope people get to read it. But I put a lot of my memories in there about being around him, once being in the house when he was playing the piano, which was quite a thrill for a 13-year-old kid. He was just becoming the highest entertainer in the world. uh, I'm dating myself, but thank you for mentioning it. Well, you studied business and law at SMU, but then made the decision to, to go to New York to pursue acting, eventually to California, and you got a chance to work with some legends and some heroes along the way. We were trying to think of all the Academy Award winners you've worked with, but I know I know a couple really stood out to you. You got a chance to meet uh, people like Robert Mitchum and Lee Marvin. What was that experience like? Well, uh, Mitchum was a hero. Is actually Lee Marvin, Charles Bronson, uh, uh, 
was one of the nice breaks to get to go to Canada, and people call it on location. I called it on vacation. It was Banff, Canada, probably like some of the beauty of Maine. But uh, uh, it was a great thrill. Lee drank a lot, you know, but he... Can you hear me? You sure can. Okay, I was hearing a little static, and I hope it's not my phone. Uh, uh, Lee knew more about cameras and... uh, and when he was drinking, then a lot of people sober. But And Charles Bronson was a hero since my childhood. But luckily, I got to work with some more, even much younger. But uh, that was a good start on the West Coast. Yeah, you did a and lot then, of... Can I just interject? I did get a law degree. I never took the bar. And that's when my life sort of took a wrong turn, and I moved to New York, as you see. <laughs> Well, that wrong turn has uh, resulted in a many decades-long career. Uh, one of the first breaks uh, was in the Onion Field, the Joseph Wambaugh story uh, with James Woods, and then on to other television shows and movies. Uh, people certainly remember your terrific role in Blade Runner. How how long did it take sitting in that makeup chair to get ready for those scenes in Blade Runner? Uh, it took a couple of hours, and I think my wife says you can't really see it that well i I didn't uh i don't know but he had methuselah syndrome or premature aging he was supposed to be in his 20s but looked like he was in his 40s but it was a big thrill to work with harrison ford at that time he was the highest paid i mean he was the hottest actor in the country and just came off a spielberg film and uh so daryl hannah and uh, a lot of wonderful actors in there uh so I was lucky to get it. I had been playing a lot of bad guys and or heavies, whatever you call them. Uh, I should say I, a lot of the roles I've played over the years were sort of idiots, but he was a <laughs> genius type. He worked on a genetic system, so it was fun to play. And the great director, Ridley Scott, who's a visionary. William, on, on your website in the, in the photo gallery section, there's a wonderful photo of you playing the role of Billy the Kid in a play directed by Tommy Lee Jones. I'm assuming that was a staging of uh, the authentic life of Billy the Kid? Yeah, that's an ironic title. This was a guy that claimed he was Billy the Kid and that he never died. Great writer named Lee Blessing, an award-winning playwright. But the joy was working with Tommy Lee. I survived six projects with Tommy, and but that was a, one play I did with him in between Newhart flying back and forth and... Uh, uh, Tommy is a great actor, and he's really bright, and uh, it was just a real thrill. I think that's where you learn to act, is on the stage, and uh, sometimes wish I'd have done more in New York, but I'm grateful for the apprenticeship. But it was a play, and uh, uh, dark, dark comedy, you know, pulp fiction type thing, but uh, based on history. But I wasn't really Billy. I was a crazy guy that claimed he was Billy, Billy the Kid. We're talking with William Sanderson here on Downtown. Well, then uh, Newhart comes along, and that just blew up uh, for everybody. Did you, uh, did you have any idea? I think you guys appeared on the second episode. Uh, was that intended to be a long-term thing, or was it originally just a one-off appearance? Oh, that's a good question. I just, I just thought there's another guest star role. I put a quarter in my ear just messing around like I had done in the movie Coal Miner's Daughter. And uh, uh, 
luckily the audience applauded and laughed, and Bob Newhart eventually encouraged him to write us in as series regulars, and uh, it was really a joy. The people, Tom Poston, Bob Newhart, Julia Duffy, Peter Scolari, but they uh, never intended it to be but a one-time thing. They were looking for, the producer said, uh, uh, three guys with one brain. Kevin <laughs> helped them. But John Bolstad and Tony Pappenfuss had a great theater background, and they made it they made it fun for me. Um, and something I discovered uh, reading up on on your career a little bit that that role was originally written for a friend of yours, fellow actor uh, Tracy Walter. Yeah, and then yeah, but you discovered that later on down the road. Yeah, he waited a couple of years. He said, "I didn't want to tell you." Uh, He's a very sweet man with a great career. He lives in Beverly Hills. And uh, the, I said, well, did you get crazy on him in the audition? And he said, no, I didn't do anything. I usually don't. I crawled under some desks. <laughs> but we we take a chance. Believe me, Tracy has done well with great, great credits. And uh, I'm proud to call him my friend. It, you you two have appeared in a couple of movies together as well, right? Yeah, we did one right after Coal Miners. I feel like I'm dropping name after that movie. I played uh, a brother of Tracy Walter. They'd been in Huntsville Prison in Texas, and they try to uh, they try to I say molest her, <laughs> and uh, they were. But it's uh, it was fun to work with Sisters Basic twice. I can't help myself but drop names. Is it? Can I interject a question? Oh, please do. Is this a Stephen King station? It sure is. He owns our stations. Well, I'm so flattered. I, I got to work on one of uh, his. Sometimes they come back based on a short story, but he. Uh, I even steal from him. I was reading everything I could. I'm not a writer, but he said in a quote. I hope I'm getting it right. I write to find out what I think. And I just loved that and loved stories about him giving, sometimes he'd give lesser companies as opposed to a big studio that wanted to do his film. Mm. I, I loved that, what I read. I, of course, never met the man, but what a fabulous storyteller. And uh, I've got more, but I get long-winded. <laughs> I want to Thank talk for me. Uh, we will. I want to talk a little bit uh, about Deadwood. You and Ian McShane the only actors to appear in every episode of that series uh, by the, the, the very creative and, and interesting David Milch. Was it David Milch who gave you the nickname from Edgar Allan Poe, the Imp of the Perverse? Yeah, based on a short story by Edgar Allan Poe. I thought it'd be a good title, but we have a title that the literary agent suggested, and I love it. But yes, and... Um, I think David's the imp of the perverse if you ever read about him, but the kind of person that will do the wrong thing because they know it's wrong. And when you sweetly said I was in every episode, sometimes I was barely in it, but I'm proud that I did survive it. And uh, they have the script. They just called the agent about a two-hour movie this fall. And I hope I'm healthy, and I hope every we've lost a couple of actors from the show. But... Uh, David Milch is a genius type himself who taught English literature at Yale. And if you want an interesting uh, bio, read about him. I love him because he gave me a great part. And did that open doors, the HBO series, uh, to 
True Blood for you. I think so. It will happen to be the same casting director. I don't know if I'd bore people by talking about that, but may I? Please do. I, yeah, I don't think you a, could bore people with anything. Said, uh, come in and meet the great writer, another great writer, Academy Award winning writer, Alan Ball, who did Six Feet Under, and I think American Beauty won the Academy Award. But I read it. I couldn't. He said, well, try this. And I read it once more and was winging it. I said, uh, well, speaking of bigots, they none of them think they're bigots. And he kind of concurred. So when I left, I was I thought, well, I guess it went okay. But they did make me a series regular, although I didn't do all the shows. But uh, sometimes I got paid when I didn't do a show. So I just loved working with Alan Ball in the first few years. And then he moved to another show, and I did too. Bill, would you say, as you look back at your career, have you been your own harshest critic? Well, uh I'm probably, I hate to say, well, like some creative types or something that think they are. I'm never really satisfied, and I try to make a joke. I say low self-esteem is a step up. I stole that, <laughs> but uh, I beat myself up. Bob Newhart said you put too much pressure on yourself, and I don't know where it comes from uh, again. The book, I talk about the childhood a little bit, but every actor and everybody in the world had a, not the easiest life. But I am one grateful character actor, and I'm very happy. And I, I've heard you mention the fact that you're very grateful, and, and much of uh, this is what much of the book is going to be about. You're grateful for the second chances you've had. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I, I guess David Milch uh, intuitively knew some of the destructive things I did, I don't want it to sound like I'm bragging, but second chances, I, I call it Providence and turn off half of Hollywood probably, but uh, even my favorite country singer, Merle Haggard, said they're gifts. The songs that he wrote, the jobs that I get, the royalties, <laughs> they the Hulu, may I plug it, they just bought Newhart's new, uh, our show, so that was part of the reason we went to uh, the Paley Center in Beverly Hills and to celebrate that. And uh, can I? I don't know how much time I, I, I'm pitiful here. Since I wrote the book, I, I, uh, with a lot of help, I got on Instagram. We've had it 100 days since uh, next week. It'll be 100 days. But it, may I say, if you, if it's okay with you, oh, what, please it, do. what it is. Absolutely. It's called actor underscore William underscore Sanderson. And, of course, we have Facebook. I'm not in love with that, but that's what the publishers seem to like. Yeah, and you've got a wonderful website, too. And, uh, Carrie, our producer, mentioned uh, the great gallery that's on there. Lots of terrific information. Well, I thank you again. Uh, that's Nick from Tin Can Media, the podcaster who's helping us. And my wife, I, sh I sometimes sound like a pimp because I'm bragging on her so much, <laughs> but none of it would have happened the last 30 years. I drank too much. When, when I met her, I knew that I couldn't, uh, we couldn't make it if I stopped, so I had to cut that out. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, it didn't stop me. I slowed down, but now with the book, I couldn't, just couldn't do it. I know I'm putting you to sleep. 
no, not at not, all. Not at all. And I did uh, want to mention the, your website, williamsanderson.net, circling back to the gallery. Some great photos of you in different shows and, and different roles over the years. But the one that jumped out to me was the sketch, the the image on there, the, the sketch that Daryl Hannah drew for you. On, oh, yeah, uh, from I, the Blade I, Runner set. That was that was great yeah, to see. Yeah, she was 19 years old and, and just a lovely, lovely woman. I think she is dating Neil Young right now, but uh, lovely. And I, it's not for sale, but anyway, <laughs> thank you for noticing. And there's Facebook, too. I, I thought you were talking about Facebook, and forgive me, that that is helped with by Nick from uh, Ten Can Media Podcast Katsuras, mm-hmm. if I'm pronouncing his last name. But uh, I just sometimes say, why do they keep plugging themselves? Why do they keep plugging themselves? But I I want the book to come out. Yeah, <laughs> we do too. We uh, we certainly hope that works out. And looking forward to it. We have had a wonderful time talking with you, Bill. I hope you'll come back and talk with us some more because there's so much uh, we didn't get to cover. You've worked with one of our good friends on the show, Stephen Tobolowsky. We wanted to talk about that and more. Uh, so we hope you'll come back. He's a wonderful actor. I did a play with him and I did Deadwood with him, and uh, I miss him. I'm back here in Pennsylvania momentarily, and. Uh, Give him my love if you get a chance. We will do that, and we hope you'll join us again sometime. Thank you, and Stephen, give him a hug for me. Actor William Sanderson here on Downtown the Podcast, Episode 3 this week. When we come back, a Golden Globe winner, multiple Emmy nominee, terrific roles in film and television over the last four decades or so. Joanna Cassidy coming up after this word from Cross Insurance. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Downtown, the podcast brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. And by Nice Brewing Company. Five years ago, a pair of friends teamed up to create balanced beers that pay respect to the rich German tradition of brewing, layered with the nuance and eccentricity of modern brewing methods. And Nice Brewing Company was born. Based in Limerick, Maine, right in the foothills of the White Mountains, Dustin and Tim combine their love of beer, science, and their German heritage for truly unique brews. Whether it's the Nice Weiss, the Sun and Shine, IPAs, Stouts, Porters, or any of their seasonal offerings, you'll love what they've got brewing at Nice. Ask for beers from Nice, G-N-E-I-S-S, at your favorite restaurant or bar. If you're in Maine, try the Tasting Room in Limerick. Open Fridays from 2 to 7, Saturdays 12 to 6, and visit their website at nicebeer.com to learn more. Work hard, play hard, be nice. German-style beer from the woods of Maine. You've seen our next guest on Downtown the Podcast in films like Blade Runner, along with William Sanderson, Under Fire, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, television shows including Body of Proof, and Six Feet Under. Joanna Cassidy won a Golden Globe for her role in Buffalo Bill, 
and has a pair of Emmy nominations as well. She joins us next here on Downtown, the podcast. Joanna, thanks so much for being with us. It's my pleasure. I don't know. Sometimes I'm see, I'm here in the South today, and I'm listening to all this, and I go, well, who's she? She's done a lot of work. <laughs> well, yeah, you have been very busy indeed, absolutely. And uh, do you feel the same as I did about Buffalo Bill? I love that show. Oh, I love that show, too. Well, it was taken off for a year and then put back on. So, I mean, the, the head of the network, NBC at the time, Brandon Tartikoff, Tartikoff, right? Yeah. 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 He, he loved it and said, we must bring it back on. And so he fought for us and there we were. No, it's, it's a fabulous show. Fabulous. Now you didn't plan uh, on acting uh, when you were just starting out. If I remember right, you were an art major in college. Is that right? That's right. Yes, that's right. I absolutely was. And so what led you into this craziness? <laughs> You know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, and something that I probably will need to write about someday. And, you know, it's it's a really interesting feeling to be beautiful. And it's also an interesting feeling to lose beauty and find beauty in other ways. And by developing your, you know, your instincts or your mind. And um, I was very fortunate. In certain departments, so I have to say that my life went along without plan. I never thought I was uh, an attractive woman, but I guess some people did, and so I sort of, you know, ran with that. Well, and it, yeah, look, and it's fine. Yeah, and you had that going for it, but you also have always had. And I think in every role you've ever played, there's always been uh, that, that intelligence that comes through, and that confidence, and that strength. And I have to think that served you well, because as we know. Yeah, Hollywood is not very kind to women of any age, but you get past 30, it's like, well, you're, you're yesterday's news. But you've been able to work consistently and, and find some strong roles out there, and I have to think a big part of that is obviously the talent, but also that intelligence. No, I think I just run faster. Than I, <laughs> I really do. No, I, it was um, when I, I just did, you know, this... Uh, a bit for Bravo Television. It was a comedy I did for three years called Odd Mom Out. Not that I was the odd mom. That was Jill Cardman who wrote <laughs> it and produced it. But that was a lot of that was fun. And um, right now I'm working on a on a series called Too Old to Die Young with Miles Teller and John Hawks. And I just did a pilot with um, George Lopez. Which, and he's adorable. Oh, my gosh. He is just the nicest man. Um, so I'm hoping that um, ABC is going to go with that one. So I, I plan on working for maybe like another three or four years or something. Well, uh-huh. I, I certainly hope so. I and mean, more than that, I loved your work, too, uh, with Dana Delaney. On what I thought was a really terrific series, Body of Proof. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, that, was, that was fun, too. It's, it's great. It's great. The people that I've met in this business are, have been amazing. Not all the time, but for the most part, I would say I love actors. I, they're just really fascinating creatures. Always a story, you know, always a story. Absolutely. We're, we love talking to actors here in a program. We're chatting with Joanna Cassidy here on Downtown. You never know uh, what's going to have traction over time. Are, are you amazed at the legs that Blade Runner has had for after all these years? I'm not, actually. Um, when I was doing it, I thought it would be a huge hit. And I read the script, and I was not 
Grace Jones was going was asked to do that. <laughs> I don't know whether she wouldn't work with a snake or something. I had the <laughs> snake, so you know, my agent said, "We well, have to use her. <laughs> She's got the animal." So, um, I no. When I saw the duelist that uh, Ridley had done, I said, "This this man is a major." major player he's he's going to be huge and oh just the way the set was night shooting and the strangeness of it all and his his ability to barrel through despite huge odds no one had ever spent the kind of money that he spent and he was just very um um very forceful about what he wanted and the kind of picture that he saw so he he, he saw it he saw it and you could see that he saw it and it happened you have worked with uh, so many talented co-stars through the years uh, from from nick nolte to gene hackman harrison ford of course but i, I want to ask you about uh, one of my favorite actors julie andrews talked with us uh, not too long ago about her experience with him uh, what was it like uh, working with james garner oh he was a doll he was just a doll i did several things with him um a real pro Gosh, he loved he loved to work. He was never happier than than when he was on a set, and he would talk to everybody for hours. He wasn't like an actor. Some of the actors that I know who go back to their their uh, you know their place um, in between shots. He always stayed out. Just loved to communicate with everyone. Good looking man, my really nice man. Uh, you also worked on one of the, I think, one of the best television shows in the history uh, of TV. Your work uh, as Margaret Chenoweth on Six Feet Under. What was that experience like for you? Well, every time I read a script, I go, "They really want me to do that." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was I was basically hired just to do two shows, and I don't know, I guess they saw something in me, I don't know, maybe I, the madness in my eyes, or so. well, it's hysterical, because I have a daughter and a son, and my daughter's older, you know, so my kids could sort of relate to those kids that were on there, only not really, I, and I was married to a psychiatrist, so I guess I sort of knew how to be, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> that's kind of an odd thing to say, but Anyway, that that character was really easy for me to do. And uh, as a result of it, I, I got a lot of work from that. It was great. Uh, was you've great. Also, also done a, a lot of voiceover work in video games through the years. Is that, uh, is that more challenging? Because you think about it, so, well, how, how tough can that be? But you're, you're in the studio for quite a while doing that recording, right? Yeah, you are. You can lose your voice a lot, which most voiceover actors do they just lose it you know if you're screaming for five or six hours you don't have much left but it does develop your vocal cords i'll tell you that oh i'm, I'm um, sure that's fun and that is, you know, people who have very nice voices i know i have often heard people speak and i've thought gosh they have a beautiful voice that they should go do voiceover stuff it's not easy it's really not. You have to know how to talk about a product. And it's funny when you get in front of a mic, how that a lot of times that just goes away. You just forget how to do it, to speak naturally, you know? Uh, you've also been through the years uh, a favorite on talk shows. I have to think, uh, were you having as much fun 
on your many appearances with Carson on The Tonight Show as it seemed? Well, somebody was talking to me just last night about how the first time I was on, I, I just seemed str- strangely awkward. I think that's how they described it. Um, I was scared to death. I mean, here I am on the talk show with Johnny Carson. Oh, my God. It, it scared the bejesus out of me, but I, I pulled it off. He did have me back. He loved having me there. Well, I can see why oh. you're an absolute delight to talk to. And you have, I'm not the first to tell you this, but I'll be the most recent at least, you have one of the great laughs of all time. That has that has done well for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fake. I was voted best laugher in high school, so it's it's just there. Absolutely there, and I I love to laugh. Who doesn't love to laugh? You know. Now you Best said you. I think we can do. You said you're down <laughs> south. Of school. Yeah, where are you in the south? I'm in Louisiana. Oh, fantastic! I, a... No, I don't have relatives here, but I have a lot of good friends, and it's a it's another world. You know that, right? I mean, Louisiana does not belong to the United States. It's a little world unto itself. Very unusual place. Uh, can you find a house for our producer, Carrie, who wants desperately to move to New Orleans and is, is house shopping as we speak? Too bad my house is sold. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm actually, yeah. I'll be down there in two weeks. Uh, we, we're sending the list to our realtor this weekend of of uh, oh, really? some of the houses that we want to look at. Yeah. Oh, you've, well, you've got to get one with really high ceilings. That's, that's a must. Yes. Yes, and you know, got to get ready to put new lighting in and fans, ceiling fans all over the place. It's it's a blast. It's kind of a blast, really. But you're I right. It, it is a different house. world. My house was built in 1840, and I love to do houses. So I I and it really, <laughs> people said, "Oh no, wait till you get into an old house." He said, "I'll be I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Don't I, I have no." problems with this well you should have talked to me two years later <laughs> i've never taken that long to do a house in my life i do them in i do a house in six months most tops and this one was definitely a challenge i tell you but the stories oh my god i have history to this house it once was a brothel and uh let's see what else was it was a boarding house each bedroom has its own entrance and exit, you know, a door that goes outside. And it's so interesting here. The music, of course, you know, is wonderful and the food is beyond. You have to become a cook if you move to the house. <laughs> now, do you, do you find yourself as an actor imagining the lives of those people who lived there previously? Of course I do. Of course I do. I, I'm read up on everything and how... Um, I wanted to do this a movie about the very famous madam of of New Orleans, and uh, I I got busy, so I didn't get it done. But oh, it was fascinating. It was pirate time and all kinds of strange people arriving on the coast. Or, you know, it's, it's really really interesting. Sort of sitting on the sand, you know. Now, have you ever been to Maine before? I have, and in fact, um, I was looking at property that was being sold. There were several houses on the street that 
Stephen King lives on. And I thought, boy, you get a lot of cluck for your buck there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe I should move to Maine. You should. Well, you, Stephen owns our radio station. He does? Yes. Oh, heaven's sake. You know I did the Tommy Knockers. For- That's right. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier on the show. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's a he's an amazing writer. I'm I am such a huge fan of his. Huge, huge fan. And he doesn't. He yeah, doesn't, I think Maine is beautiful. And Stephen doesn't slow down. I mean, he just he just had a big birthday, and he's he's writing as much, maybe more than ever. I would think so. I'm working more than ever. I'm suddenly I've just the you know the boards have just been pulled out from underneath me, and I'm working like crazy now. Well, we're glad to hear what that. What happened? What happened? It's, it's fascinating. It's sort of, it's like something gets removed. Maybe when you hit a certain age, you go, oh, the hell with it. I can do anything I want. And maybe that's your attitude. That's a great attitude. You can do anything. Well, we've been fans of your work for a long time. It's uh, wonderful for us to talk with you this afternoon, and uh, we wish you luck with those projects. Hope to see that become a series on ABC with George Lopez, and uh, hopefully you'll come back and visit with us again sometime. Okay, great. Great talking with you. Actress Joanna Cassidy on Downtown, the podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We remind you, the podcast is brought to you by Nice Brewing, German-style beer from the woods of Maine, and Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. On the next edition of the podcast, astronaut Terry Virts talks about his time in space. He was commander of the International Space Station and how that view from above has affected his view of life here on Earth. And author Rachel Slade talks about her remarkable book, Into the Raging Sea, on the sinking of the Alfaro. It's on the next edition of Downtown the Podcast. I'm Rich Kimball with Carrie Haskell, podcast produced by Carrie from Downtown Productions. We'll see you next time.